all the same. Terror stages in the church, they don't know the name. of joy. Come on. I'm not talking about happiness because you got something for Valentine's Day. Come on. I'm talking about a God who loves you. A God who's called love himself. Come on. God, we ask that you fill us up in this place. Come on. When we get to that part in the chorus where you turn, I want you guys to turn like you've never turned in your life. <laughs> I'm already having joy. Here we go. Sing it. Within your life is I find my strength Within your truth is I overcome. Within your grace is I lose myself. Within your love, see that? You take a moon into such joy and gladness. My heart can be dead. I'm shouting, oh Joy and gladness, my heart can't be 
Shout for no reason. Come on. But we actually do have a reason in this place. Amen. If it helps you close your eyes, come on now. <laughs> we look up to this guy, but we're going to sing this next part unto the Lord. It's easy. You don't have to sing to sing this part. All you have to do is shout. Come on, let me hear you shout. Here we go. We're singing. Whoa! Next song is called Here I Am to Worship. And when I was in youth group, we used to sing it. But I love this about the song. I'm just going to give you the words. If we can get the words up on the screen. Hallelujah. Light of the world. It talks about this. God is the light of the world. He stepped down into darkness. He is the light, right? And he opened my eyes and he let me see the beauty that made this heart great hope of a life spent with you. And I love this chorus. It says it like this. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely. You're altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. And there's a part of the song that goes like this, and I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon your cross. Man, can you imagine it right now in this place? Like you, you think you have an idea. The word of God, we have it. Man, I'll never know, God, how much it cost you. He gave his life. Man, Jesus had to die. He could have just dismissed it and just, you know, done carpentry his entire life. He came in and, and he died. He paid a price. Man, so we get to sing about that in this place. With all eyes closed, God, we worship you. You are amazing, God. Come on right now. Just tell them how good he is. God, without even singing a song, you're good. God, we praise you. Come on, another way. Use your mouth. Come on, fill this place with your prayer. God, we worship you. so good. Come on and tell him right now. Before we sing this song, 
We're preparing our hearts right now. That's what we're doing when we sing songs like this. God, we get our hearts in the right place.
for the king. Oh, let me ask you, if you're on your knees, does the physical represent what's happening in your heart? Are you bowing to the king in your heart? Are you bowing to Jesus? Oh, come on, can you say, Jesus, you're all I need in this life. <laughs> and when I die, you're all I ever need. 
to call your love. Thank you. 
to pray. You guys can remain, you know, just locked in and engage what the Lord is doing. But for Tina and Steph, I want you to stand up right now. I want you guys to pray together that I'm going to dismiss Tina and Steph to lay hands on everyone in here. Amen. Because I'm believing in the power of God that when they went out there and God was doing great things in their life, and it wasn't just for that city. That God is not just the city of New Orleans. But he's the God of this city too. And indeed, he used SUN to reach people. People were saved. God was moving. And I believe that they come just filled and ready to just lay hands on people right now. So I want you guys, what you girls to pray. 
And I want you guys to lay hands on everyone in this place. And as they make their way around, this is why I want every heart in this place. Just prepare yourself. I'm just going to pray over you. I mean, you're saying that God, I want is you to fill me up with your love, with your fire. Man, I want that passion of God in my life. Come on. I want that boldness in my life that I can worship God in the middle of my dining room with my parents looking at me like I'm crazy because I lost my mind falling in love with Jesus. Come on. That you can walk in your schools, in your hallways, and you can sing worship songs, and people are going to look at you like, what just happened to that person? They just lost it all. And you can look right back at them and tell them, I just lost it all for Jesus. Come on. So as you prepare your heart in this place, I'm believing that by the power of God, that by the power of his Holy Spirit, that he's going to fill you up with boldness, that he's going to impart his spirit in your life. Come on. That your heart is beginning to shift even now. That as you wait, come on. Before the air, just ask God, God, break it down to me. God, every fake thing, every like fake religion that I have inside, Come on, break it in me, God. Break it in me, Lord. I want you to mess me up. Come on. Who's going to dare God to say, God, I want you to mess me up so I'm never the same. I want to look like the disciples in the Bible. Come on. I want to look like Peter, God. I want to go back to my family. I want to see peace. Come on. I want to go back to my schools and see healing. Come on, in this place. Come on, right now. Let's pray. God, come fill us up. God, come fill us up in this place. Come on, Tina, step. Just begin to lay hands right now. Come on. Come on, just begin to lay hands. Come on. Tina, step. I need you guys to start laying hands right now. Come on. Just begin to lay hands. You guys should just lay hands. Take about 30 seconds with each person. Just pray. The fire of God over your life. Come on, Christina and Cynthia, come on, why don't you guys play hands? Come on. Go, Christina and Cynthia, why don't you guys pray with each other really quickly before you guys start praying out? And then start laying hands, come on. Christina and Cynthia, start praying with each other first and then start laying hands, come on. Fill this with so much more. What they're doing is they're just this praying. They're coming in agreement with you right now in this place that the power of God will touch you. Come on. Come on, Christina Cindy, you guys can start laying hands. Come on. Come fill this with the love of the Lord. Come fill this with your power. The passion, God. Oh, I'm 
this generation, God. Oh, and every youth in America, God. Started this youth group right now. Let your power come, God. Let it transform our lives, God. Every person in this place. Let it start with this generation. Father, let this generation not be lost to the temptations, to the ways of the world. But let it be lost in your love. Let this generation be lost in your love. We speak it now unto every heart. We thank you, God. Move in power. Oh, God, will there be a revival of your love. Stir in our hearts. Be started us, God. Jesus, 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 oh. 
battling for your attention. This may seem weird, but we serve a God who is a spirit that you cannot see with your with your fleshly eye. And some of you guys are just thinking, like, I just want this to be over. But I'm telling you right now, if you're saying that or thinking that to yourself, come on, there's a spiritual battle going on. God is wanting to impart a spirit over a generation, over a people. And the devil wants to distract you. The devil wants to take you out. He wants to take your focus, but right now, as the drums keep playing, come on, almost signifying our entrance into worship, our entrance into warfare, come on, the Holy Spirit says, greater is he, come on, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, come on, greater are you, God, come on, if you're in this place and things are fighting for your attention, come on. Just start saying, greater are you, God. Greater are you, Holy Spirit. Come on and say that in this place. Begin to praise him. Greater are you, God. Greater are you, God. Some of you guys have never really been a part of the worship where we just go all out. This is called Holy Ghost filled worship right now. We're just saying, God, your agenda is more important than our little plans. The way we do church, the way we do youth group, sometimes God can interfere in times like this. And he can touch our hearts and our lives. And he can fill us with the passion. He can fill us with the spirit. And we're okay with that. Because he knows what's best.
Just give him some praise right now. Jonathan just showed him the tape and it And I believe that in our times of worship, that when we take time to acknowledge His Spirit, and then we're all saying, like, God, you can move. Man, He moves powerfully. You know, some of us, we were feeling goosebumps. Some of us, we were feeling different things. But I can tell you what, it wasn't just a sense of goosebumps and everybody shouting, but the Holy Spirit of God was touching your life. And he's setting the temperature of where he wants you to be. And I really do feel for us as a youth group, as a youth group, our passion can grow for Jesus. It can only go higher 
Some of us, we're, tr- we're, really, we're really impressed by the world. We're really like pushed back into a place where they tell the Christian to shut up. Just leave it for church. Don't get too crazy. You can love Jesus. I guess that's cool. But don't bring it here to our schools. Don't bring it to your house. Don't bring it to the streets. Keep it at church. And us as a church, as a believer in Christ, as a disciple, God fills you up with this Holy Spirit not to be confined to church. The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit came upon his disciples, man, those guys, they didn't stay in the building they were at. They didn't just go to church services. Although that was cool. They went out on the streets and they were prophesying. They were saying, this is who God is. And they were speaking it to a fallen generation. They were speaking it to a people who had an idea of God but had no concept of how God was moving right then and there. And the Bible said that 3,000 were added to their number. They were speaking in tongues. We did that today. But more so than the speaking of tongues, it's God's Holy Spirit moving in your life. Come on, if you want God to continue to move in your life, I want you guys to join with me. Open up your Bibles to Judges 16. Judges 16. It is here where we find the story of Samson and Delilah. It is here that we've based our sermon series, Jesus is Bringing Sexy Back. And I have about maybe 15 minutes to preach this message. So I am going to go for it. Judges 16. Judges 16. If you're there, say I'm there. If you're not, we got it up on the screen. Hallelujah. My voice is beginning to to leave me. Let's pray that stays. Amen. Amen. If if it leaves me, then I'm just going to have Tyler just come up here and finish my sermon off and preach. Because that young man is one of the most crazy followers of Jesus as far as when it comes to like in the service I'm going after God I mean he puts a lot of us to shame just his love for Jesus man that's that's what it looks like when someone gets a hold of Jesus yeah man I want to be like that I wish that some of you guys older in this place will get get a look at that young man when it comes in worship not to boast or not to make him the idol of worship but to say man Jesus got a hold of his heart God you can have it all Man, you're setting up a standard, young man. Keep it up. Keep it up. The young men will continue to, to look at you, that they would see you as an example, that they'll say, man, you know what, Tyler? He's an awesome man of God. He's a kid. God's in his life. He's doing great things. Don't let them look down on you because you're young. Receive that. I just wanted to highlight you. The Lord's putting you on my heart. Judges 16, Samson and Delilah. Here we are. We're talking about Jesus bringing sexy back. We've already gone up to this point and realized that man Samson is not the smartest of the bunch. Here he is. We're really getting into sexual perversion. And I really do feel that this generation deals with that a lot. And to say that, you know what, that's just a little bit of the pie. And you know what, that's a big chunk of the pie. Because you know what, when we're involved sexually, whether in a relationship with someone or just in our thoughts, in our fantasies, in the secret place, we begin to remove God of where he should be in our hearts in that secret place and we begin to make idols. And if you read throughout the Old Testament, when the people of Israel, God's people, began to put idols before God, it never turned out good. But here's the story of Samson and Delilah here 
God raises up Samson to deliver his people. So Samson should have been the standard. So Samson should have been the example we look to. But really, we learn from his testimony of what happened in the stages of sexual compromise, sexual sin. I don't believe that someone just wakes up and they're addicted to pornography. I don't believe that someone just wakes up and they're caught in an affair. I don't believe it just happens. I believe it's a gradual process where God, the Holy Spirit, is watching us and He's trying to bring us back. But in our choices, in the temptations, and everything that's put your way in your face, we give in. The last two weeks, here to summarize, we learned from the story of Samson that Samson was enticed by Delilah. The Philistine said unto Delilah, they said, listen, go and tempt Samson and we'll pay you X amount of money. The amount of money, if you were to kind of bring it into today's society, would have been anywhere from 14 to 15 million dollars. So this woman had incentive to get that man to stumble. And she said, the Philistine says, go entice him. That means to open up your mind to the thought. When we look at sexual sin, And how it affects us. Our minds are open to the thought. It starts there. Where it's been put into your heart and begins to settle and begin to think about it. You watch TV. You turn on the TV. You can't look anywhere else. You go to the store. You wait in line for Walgreens. There it is. I mean, let's be real. You're waiting for the bus. And on the bus, here it is. A woman in half naked in a bikini. And and automatically it happens. And this is not exclusively an issue or, or something that men struggle with. This has crossed boundaries. Physical and emotional boundaries. But it begins to mess up, even unto biologically, how you view sex. Woman, it begins to pervert how you see sex and its cause and its purpose. Sexual temptation, if it affects this one area of your life, trust me, its roots and the fruit of it go into many different aspects. And you're wondering like, man, what happened? How did I get here? Let's pick up in in, um, Judges 16.4. It says it like this, afterward it happened that he loved the woman in the valley of Sorek, a woman whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said, entice him, there he is. Entice him, open up his mind to it. Find out where his great strength lies and what by means we may overpower him, that we may bind to afflict him. And every one of us will give you the, the money. Come on. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies. And with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, first of all, he's responding. He's playing this dirty game. This woman is poison. She comes up to him with the purpose to afflict him, to harm him. And he's playing her little game. Instead of saying, listen, woman, I got no time for that. God has anointed me and appointed me. I'm going to serve him. He gives way for it. He does not tell us stop right there, but he plays the game. And Samson said to her, verse 7, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet tried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. She's playing this game, and she's really having them come, and, and this is what happened. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks, and when it touched the fire, so the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you've mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me with what you may be bound with. 
So he said to her, if they bind me securely with new robes that have never been used, then I should become weak and be like any other man. He's continuing. He doesn't see the difference between, listen, this woman is poison, but just even her speech. You think it would become obvious to someone like Samson. Like, hey, you know what? This woman wants to hurt me. She's asking questions that when I've been with any other girl, that's, that's not like what they ask. They're not, like, what's your favorite song or what's your favorite this? She just wants, what can I afflict you with? I'm going to play that. And many of us today in our culture, in our society, we entertain the thoughts. We entertain the perversion. We entertain sin almost to the point where we no longer realized that it's put us in a place. And we're realizing, where in the world am I now? How did this happen? We've entertained the thought. We've continued with it like here in Samson's story. Verse 12, then Delilah took new robes and bound them with them and, and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men were lying away, staying in the room, but he broke them off the arms like a thread. Delilah said to Samson, until now, you've mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. See, it's happening. You guys catch that right there. You see the secret about Samson. If you guys don't know, he has a Nazarite vow where there were certain things he had vowed unto God. saying, God, I will not do. He would not drink anything fermented, any alcoholic beverage, will not get drunk. He shall not cut his hair, nor can he be around or touch, um, be around the vicinity of dead bodies. He took a vow before the Lord, and God had blessed him supernaturally. Great strength. I'm not talking about like wrestlers and WWE. No, no, I'm talking about great strength. God had blessed him. And God said, do not cut your hair, amongst other things. And he's getting to this point where Delilah is tempting him. Tempting him. Tempting him. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Till now he's getting to that place where it's like, it's almost useless. This girl's keep on pushing me and, and pushing me. So he gets closer to the secret of his strength, which was his hair. And he says it like this. So Samson told her, if you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of them, see, he's now talking. He's getting closer to that place. Many of us, temptation lies and it pushes you to a place. And it gets you to that secret place, and you're just like, I really don't want to be here, but it keeps on, and, and it keeps on, and it keeps on. So she wove it tightly, verse 14, with the pattern of a loom, and she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he woke from his sleep and pulled the baton out of the web from the loom. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you? She's giving it to him. You don't love me. Your heart is not with me. You've mocked me these three times and not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass, verse 16. When she pestered him daily with her words, impressed him. That word pester means to continually press and agitate and really frustrate. Sexual perversion, it doesn't only start with just the enticement of the mind. But once your mind has been enticed, you're being pressed. You're being pushed constantly in society. They'll tell you what's right. They'll tell you what to do. As a matter of fact, I was in the movies just yesterday. And there was a whole minute and a half of a, of a commercial with just sex scenes. They weren't doing anything, but they were just like everybody falling into bed and kissing. And just like, dang, really? Is it that? It was Valentine's Day and everything. But do you think that the true meaning of love is sex? See, I think that's why people got it all messed up. That they think that the meaning of love is found somewhere in sex. But really, they're looking for a person. 
And when they walk away from that experience, having given themselves unto somebody, they're walking away empty, unfulfilled, and they're saying to themselves, I don't get it. I thought I loved him. I, I thought he loved me. I thought I loved her. I thought she loved me. And you're never satisfied. You're constantly being pressed to that place. But it says it like this in 16, verse 16. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with the words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed. Somebody say vexed. Vexed to death. We're going to look at that word. The story goes on. Samson told her where great strength lies. The Philistines came and he did not know, the Bible says, that the Holy Spirit had left him. Man, that word vex, it means to be put in a tight space. It means to be confined. It means to be pressed down and just stuck. Man, you know what? A lot of us today, you'll see it. You can walk into your high schools. There may be some of us here that are vexed unto death. Where we're just saying like, oh, it's no use anyways. I'm going to give up. See that word vex, the sensation or the meaning of vexation, uh, it really means to just give up. Throw in the towel. And so many of us Christians, when it comes to this thing, we feel like we have no power over it. And so we just give up. Man, you see, the thing about being vexed is even before you commit the sin, it makes you feel like you've already committed the sin when you've had one thought. How could you think like that? And the devil comes and he tries to bring shame and condemnation. You're no good. You think like that and you're vexed and you're tied into this place where you're saying, well, I might as well do it. And then someone will come up to you trying to keep you accountable, loving on you because they're seeing you're struggling. And they'll say, man, how are things going? Man, brother, you know, I just see, like, you know what, you've been on fire. But, man, last week, you just, I don't know, man, just in your passion, just left. I just, I'm noticing it because I love you and I care for you. Uh, it's, it's, it's normal. It's whatever, I guess. Hey, man, you know what, man, I, I heard the news that your parents are going through a divorce. Man, that must be rough, dude. How are you doing? Oh, whatever. It happens all the time. Who cares? I'll be okay. See, really, the state of vexation is that whatever spirit, that it's going to be okay, I'm fine. It happens, it's life. I even talk to young people. Witnessing, you talk to them, I was like, dude, how are this? And you'll talk to them, and you get them to a place where they talk about their sexual life. Oh, yeah, I had a kid. Dude, it's the 21st century. Everybody does it. Come on, you, are you serious? You don't want to have sex for marriage? Dude, that is traditional. That's old school. Who does that? Whatever. And they don't realize they're in this place where they've been pressed down, where they've given up. You see it all the time. It can be whether with sexual sin or things that may happen in your life where you feel you have no control. Being vexed. Look at the life of Samson. The Bible says that he was vexed until death. He gave in. Going back to this area in our life sexually, many of us, we struggle, whether it's, it's shared with somebody, whether it's, it's, you know, secret. We struggle. It's everywhere. It's not exclusively for men, but for women. And we struggle. And we hide. And we say to ourselves, it's not going to get any better. I've tried accountability. I've tried. I've made so many efforts. It's not working. You see, I applaud your efforts in accountability. 
I applaud your efforts in reading more Bible. Sometimes we think that when we, when we act in sin and when we make these mistakes, we try to cover it up. and like, i got to read more Bible right now. And we try to do it by works. Man, you know what? i, I got to do more discipleship. i got to do this. It's, it's, you're not going to find it in that. Really, you see, if it was found in discipleship, if it was just found in just going to more church, then what's the, pers- what's the purpose of being here? But your healing, your freedom, your salvation, your desires of fulfillment, can only be found in one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. You see, I want to paint two pictures for you. Of the state of being vexed. Open up your Bibles to John chapter 8. There's a woman in the New Testament. And Bible scholars today still don't know her name. But rather she's given a title. This woman. Not knowing her name. Known throughout the scriptures as the woman caught in adultery. Think about it. Your name, you're referred to as the woman caught with sleeping with some other person's husband. Man. And the story picks up here. Verse 2. Now early in the morning he came again to the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Here are these scribes and Pharisees. And my thing is how do they know that that woman's there? Hello? It's not just the woman, but you see, there was an issue with these men. They're probably waiting and watching her. I mean, how twisted is that? How perverted is that? Here they're supposed to be the religious men, the people who are supposed to be the pastors, unto the community, and they're watching this go down. And they catch her in the act of adultery. And they go in and they bring her out. Then all the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. She was caught in the middle of the act. The shame is upon her. The embarrassment. Her sin exposed. They're dragging her in the middle of the street. And you know what? That's what sin wants to do. It wants to make a fool out of you. It wants to parade around you like, listen, this is who you really are. You're caught. You're in chains. You're never going to be free. It makes a fool. It makes fun. It's saying this is always your identity. And here they are, bring her in the street to Jesus. And when they had set her in her midst, in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? What do you say? It's a perfect picture of vexation. This woman. Rightfully so, was accused of adultery. This woman caught sin exposed. How many of us, whether it's, when, whether it's in the thoughts, whether it's in the actions, whether it's in the flirtatious playing alongs with, come on, we're caught in this place. We've been pushed down in this place. We're like, everybody else does it. Man, that person, they go to a different church and they do it like this. I guess I can do it. It's okay. And we're seemingly normal. But here, this woman being brought down and, and, and accused and feeling all this. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up 
and sets him. He without sin among you. Let him throw a stone at her first. I love this. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Lawrence, can you come up on keys for me? You see, many of us deal with this. And if we're in this place, I mean, you know, I, I, had, I don't know what you're talking about. You're doing a really good job of fooling yourself and not even say that you've been vexed. That you even laugh it off. Even at the mention of like, this is a real struggle, guys, come on up. Many of us will be ashamed to come on up. I mean, imagine it. This woman caught in the act of adultery. People are catching and looking at that's the lady. Oh, she was caught like, oh my gosh. And she's there on her knees. She's been thrown in front of Jesus. And she's probably fearful for her life. Many of us, when we come to church, after we've done this, we feel like, man, it's never going to be the same. I'm, I'm messed up. It's, it's normal now. And we are ashamed of Jesus. Then in our approach, we're like, he doesn't want to talk to me. He doesn't even care probably. And, and we have this response like, oh my gosh, like I don't know what it's going to be like. And, and probably so many things were running through our head. But Jesus' response, his response, he gets up. He says, if you were without sin, throw the first stone. The Bible says that one by one, they were convicted in their conscience. Where from the oldest to the last had left. See, I believe this is a picture of how Jesus, His mercy, His forgiveness, His grace comes into your life. From your oldest sin to the current to the last, God's redeeming grace and love finds you and He forgives you. See, Jesus isn't afraid of those tight places. He's not afraid. He didn't retreat from the woman. But He gets in that tight place and He redeems her. He gives her a new identity. He forgives her. Grace begins to come into our life. And I can begin this woman, she's down here, and she's probably thinking that her life is going to end. And she can hear the people walk away. They're walking away, and she doesn't know what's going on. From the oldest to the last, they left. And what happens is, Jesus calls all to a woman. Where are those that accuse you? She lifts up her head, looks around. No one's there. What just happened? Grace came. Grace came on the scene. See, listen, when you're dealing in sexual sin, when you're dealing with the temptations, the things you deal with in the private areas, in the, the places where no one knows, Jesus comes in. He's not ashamed, but he deals with it. And he gives her the license not to sin. I love this. Some people look this as prophetic or even poet poetry. But Jesus tells her, Women, where are these accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. If you could just do me the favor, just play minors, play the key of G. Hallelujah. In closing, would you stand to your feet?
we're going to pray our way out of here. You can also get the, the YouTube video of the song we were singing today. It's called The Anthem by Planet Shakers. Here, listen, don't get confused or distracted by what I'm doing here, guys. Let's focus here, but I want to share this to you. Man, it's embarrassing. We're ashamed. Man, we don't know who to turn to. We've dealt with this. Man, you've had feelings and you've done things with someone of the opposite sex. Maybe you're in a relationship right now. Jesus comes into that tight place and he says, you've been forgiven. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus, the epitome of grace, mercy, forgiveness, comes and changes this woman's life. In closing, if you got your Bibles, open it up to John 18. John 18, please. Come on. Ten, ten chapters later in the Bible. This is kind of like the idea I want to give to your hearts. Man, when, when sin comes into your life, do me a favor, you can just stop playing for a minute, please. When sin comes into your life, sexual temptation comes in. It ain't a joke. Listen, some of us in our own efforts have tried to fight it off. We try to fight it off on our own strength. We've done more discipleship. That hasn't worked. We, we've read more scriptures. That hasn't worked. Man, we, we've, we've, not even your Bible knowledge can save you. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And the Holy Spirit speaking this to me like how temptation comes, how sin comes and keeps you vexed. Speaking of Jesus, when he's about in his darkest hour, when he was in his earthly ministry, about ready to go to the cross, we'll pick up in verse 2. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his, with his disciples. Then Judas, having received the detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with the lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, he went forward and said to him, Who are you seeking? You see, when, when sin comes into your life, it doesn't come secretly. It may have the appearance, but when it does and it's been caught, you've been caught into it, it kind of makes a parade of it. In verse 3, it says, it came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. I'm going to tell you what, the sexual temptation may have a good look to it. may seem like it may please you, but it does not. But once it hooks you in, it has you, it entices you, it presses you, keeps you in a place where you're pressed down tight, and like, I don't know what to do. makes a parade out of you. You see, I believe that the whole Holy Spirit is shining light to this and saying, listen, sin the assignment of hell is to come and get you to fall. Then they come with torches, with lanterns, and weapons, deceiving you, getting you to fall. And many of us take the bait. Many of us are even at that place right now. We're there. You're there. That's me. He's talking to me. But I love this. Speaking of Jesus, Jesus. Therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, he went forward. He went forward. Whom are you? You see, Jesus, 
I love this church. Elevate. This is what I believe God is calling us to do, is allow him to go forward. We need to take a step back. The Bible says he went forward. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 5, it says, Jesus said to them, I am he, and Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Do you know that if you're dealing with your secrecy, the sin, the shame, the condemnation, the perversion, at the very mention of the name of Jesus, it has to fall back. It cannot stay. Listen to me. This isn't some sort of trick where I'm not trying to deceive you, trying to do anything up here. At the name, at the mention of Jesus, it must fall back. You see, sir, ma'am, student, you're no match for perversion. You're no match for temptation. You're no match for the condemnation. You're no match for sin. Only Jesus is. Only he can take it. He moves forward, the Bible says. And he said, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And they stepped back. They fell to the ground. You see, at the very mention of Jesus Christ, every chain, every condemnation, every perversion, every secret thing of your life must be broken off. It does not play. It cannot stay. And we keep on reading what happens. I am he. Then he asked them again, verse 7, who are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 8, Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go away. If you keep on reading the story, you find out that Peter, he was seeing that they were coming for his master. They were coming for Jesus. And he was in his own strength saying, this can't happen. I can't let this happen. So he goes up to one of the soldiers and begins to take out a knife and proceeds to cut off one of the soldier's ear. But, I mean, Jesus tells him to put away your sword. Have him come here for that. Many of us continue daily to do things in our own strength, but you were never meant to carry it. You were never meant to fight off perversion. You were never meant to fight off and carry the load of, of temptation. You were never meant for that. Only Jesus. And he comes to his disciples and says, let me handle this. Step back. Elevate, step back. No, 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 you see, I, I have to do this. I really have to get more verses in me. I, I got to do this. No, no, no. Hey, step back. Do you think that if the answer was in the accountability, we'd still deal with it? See, if, if, you would, if the answer was in that, you wouldn't deal with it anymore. If the answer was in more verses or, or more church, you wouldn't be dealing with it anymore. But the answer is not in those things. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. And he comes into your life. He comes into that tight, awkward place. And he says, step back. Hey, step back. I got this. No, Jesus, no. I, I, I need to. And we had this sense of, of like, I, I need to do it because I need to feel like I, 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 I'm, I'm not worthy of you. No, no, no. He says, step back. I got this. I got this. See, many of us, we just need to step back and let Jesus come in and let Jesus come in our hearts. Do me the favor. You can play the song. Lawrence, thank you. We're going to close out in worship. We're going to play this song. We were singing it today. But I'm believing right now with all eyes closed in this place, some of us here are dealing with these pressures. Some of us are vexed until death. 
You know what grace, grace says? Step back, son. Step back, daughter. The keys to your deliverance, it's not in, in the shouting. It's not in all your efforts. Step back and stop trusting your discipline, your devotion, your good deeds, your efforts, your knowledge. You're no match for sin. You're no match for temptation. You're no match for condemnation. You're no match for perversion. Let Jesus do for you what only He can do in your life. Vexation, your soul becomes short and impatient. You become impulsive. Here, elevating, closing in prayer. We just need to learn to trust Jesus. In closing, if you're saying to yourself, man, I just need to learn to trust Jesus. Because Jesus is enough. He is enough. Come on, all eyes closed in this place, hands lifted. Come on. I want you to tell him, God, you are enough in my life. In any area of sin or struggle, God, you are enough. Jesus, you alone, God, are the answer to the temptation. You alone are the answer to my bondage. Come on, only him can set you free. He's telling you right now, step back. Come on. If you're in this place and you're saying, man, you know what? I need Jesus to do a good work in my heart. This is what I want you to do. I want you to find a place up at this altar. Here, listen. No shame. If you're saying, man, there's an area in my life where sexually there's compromise, where sexually I've been influenced, I am vexed, I am in this tight place. Jesus is saying to you tonight, step back, daughter. Step back, son. Let me do for you what only I can do. Here on the count of three, I want you with no shame. Jesus is moving. The Holy Spirit is on your life. One, because God is enough. Two, because you're looking and been searching for Jesus. Three, come on, leave your seat. Come on, find a place at this altar. Begin to pray. Jesus, you are enough. Come on. Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, you are enough. God, we pray for every student in this place. God, in this area, Father, that has taken most of us. God, we come before you and we surrender right now. We surrender. Even now, there's a shift. Come on. There's a shift in this place in your heart. Lord we praise you God we praise you Lord God I pray that in this place God you would you would fill every heart every heart that's been let down every heart that has been deceived fill them right now Jesus fill them come on In this place, in this place, you've been seeking a person. I applaud your accountability. 
But it's Jesus you're looking for. He satisfies. He takes it away. And the woman of John 8, in closing, the woman, he gave her the license to be free from sin. To live a life that no longer would be in compromise. No longer will be dealing with the sexual sin. He gave her a new identity. Come on, place your hand over your heart in this place. I believe God wants to give you a new identity. Come on, you're not the pornographer. You're not the sex addict. Come on. You're not the person who always deals with lust. Come on, he's giving you a new identity. Come on, just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I love you. I thank you for the work of the cross. Come on, say, I receive my new identity. Come on, I want you guys from your own mouth, from your own mouth to begin to say, I'm no longer this. Come on, whatever it is. Come on, make a statement right now. I'm no longer the person who looks at pornography. Come on. I'm no longer the person who has sex before marriage. Come on, I'm no longer that person who deals with the insecurity and the shame and the condemnation. I'm no longer that person. Come on, with your mouth said in this place. I'm no longer the person who deals with homosexuality. Come on. God, we receive it in this place. We receive it in this place. God, we pray in closing. That, God, you would stamp their hearts. That, God, you would shift them in Jesus' name. In closing, we're going to worship to this song. If you can stand to your feet and just begin to praise God. Come on. Begin to praise God for the new life. Come on, if you can put it up a little bit, we're going to close out in worship. Come on. We praise you, God. down for me you are we bless you Lord come on would you grab the hand of your neighbor come on Lord, be your name. listen elevate we're family you are we're family hey, when one of your brothers or one of your sisters struggle it's not just their own struggle That may have been the mentality of before, before like it's just they're going to do their own thing. And, you know, you know how we can encourage one another throughout the week when we don't see each other? It's to pray for each other. It's to lift them up in prayer. So I want you right now just to practice that. Being a family. We keep it all in the family, all right, man? Yeah, just begin to pray for the person to your right and to your left. Close it.
Come on. Come on, pray for them. Let them hear you.30 more seconds. Come on, pray for them like they were your own brother and sister. Come on. Amen. God, we bless you in this place. We thank you for the freedom we find in Jesus Christ. It's not a fake freedom. It's not something we work at, it's free. It's called grace. We receive it. God, we ask for grace in our life to continue to walk in step with the Spirit. God, we want to walk in step with the Spirit and what you have going on. God, we bless you. In Jesus' name, we want to give you hand clap and praise. Why don't you guys give each other all hugs? Come on. This is going to do it like this. Y'all bring it in close into the middle, all right? Bring it in close into the middle. We're going to do a giant group hug. Do it all around me so I can feel love too, okay? Bring it in, bring it in. Come on. No, don't jump in at him. Just give a hug so you can feel the love. Oh, sure. Right, right, okay. Just don't talk, but hug, okay? All right, just hug, just hug. This is getting really awkward. Just hug, y'all. Just lay hands. Lay hands, okay. Okay. All right, okay. Now we can back off, okay? That's it. All right, y'all. Be blessed. Check it out. We're going to be... We're going to see you Tuesday at Life Group. Coming.